I've got a cough drop in my mouth. Uh, been having that lingering cough that's going to kind of been going around. It's on week two of six, probably. So, uh, in a in an age of technology, we have all sorts of things that try to connect us. You know, like Instagram and TikTok, X, uh, Facebook. We've got email, text messaging, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom. All all these sorts of things that try to keep us connected with one another. And yet the very technology that is meant to connect us sometimes makes us feel less connected with one another. Uh, When I was young, we used to write cards. Believe it or not, we used to write cards. And as a kid, trying to read cursive uh, from my grandparents or other people was sometimes very difficult. But as I got older, I got to be able to read it just a little bit better. So if you can read this, I just pulled this off the internet. I don't know what it actually says, so I hope it doesn't say anything inappropriate. Um, But it was great to always receive a handwritten card. In fact, thank you to all of you uh, who provide me with encouraging cards throughout uh, the year and for those who uh, extra blessed me during Christmas with your cards and gifts, and, and it's always just a blessing to receive them, so thank you. You know, we can do all the correspondence we want, we can be involved in all kinds of social media, but there is nothing like sitting down with someone face-to-face over a meal, uh, sharing a cup of coffee, being able to see someone physically present with you, looking into their eyes, seeing their facial expressions, uh, hearing the inflection in their voice, getting to reach out and, and, and touch their hands, uh, put your, uh, receive a hug. There's, there's nothing quite like actually being with a person face to face. And I think it's the same way with church. I mean, in a technology world, we do our live stream, and we're grateful that we had the forethought and uh, to think of doing our live streaming services because the pandemic ended up happening, and that was one way we could try to do our best in connecting all of us with each other during the pandemic. But what we saw during the pandemic especially was that people were feeling less and less connected. Even though all this technology was there, there was nothing quite like getting to spend time together face to face. To come back to be able to again worship God in one heart and one spirit. For us to come together to encourage one another, to pray with one another, to give each other a holy uh, elbow bump or hey, social distance, air fist bump, or whatever it was, it just seemed like it was better together. And yet, some people have still found themselves less connected after the pandemic because we felt isolated. And sometimes it's much easier, it seems, to stay away than coming together. I often tell people, you know, I come to church on Sunday, every Sunday, not just because I work here. You can ask my kids that when we're traveling and we're out of town, we always try to attend a church somewhere, not only because it's a spiritual discipline, but because it's important to come together with fellow believers each week and to praise God and to worship him. But I also tell my family that it's not just for your benefit to show up to church to worship God. Other people are missing out on you. 
When you're not in this congregation physically each Sunday, our congregation is missing. A part of the body of Christ is missing. And we know that you are watching us uh, through live stream this morning, and, and we're glad that you are here today. But there's nothing quite like being together face to face. So, I know that technology that we have here uh, in our church for live streaming, it is designed and meant for people who cannot make it here physically, who are homebound or for whatever are sick or maybe they're traveling that particular weekend. And, and so technology in and itself is not bad and having to watch our live stream uh, on Sunday mornings is not bad in itself. But for this message that we're receiving from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians, he is talking about equipping the church. And he's talking about missing the church that he was a part of. You see, in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul had been kicked out. He had been uh, kicked out by the Jewish leaders, what Pastor John said last week. But before I go any further, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 17 through the remainder of chapter 3. Paul says, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to see you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glorify in the presence of our Lord when Jesus, when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it, be best, um, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and our co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer... I sent out about your faith. I sent out to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about your, you because of your faith. For now, we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy 
in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. The Apostle Paul longed to be back with his church. The Apostle Paul desired, his heart was pulled toward the people in Thessalonica. He didn't want to stay away. He was forced to be away. He was prevented from coming back. But here's the thing, and I'm going to cough. <coughs> that, didn't, that didn't work. I tried to cover it. Sorry, everybody online, too. He didn't leave them alone. He had Timothy. He sent Timothy because he had Timothy. See, this is um, something incredibly important that we're going to talk about this morning. Pastor John mentioned last week that traveling philosophers would come into these cities like Thessalonica, Philippi, or wherever, and they would teach for a while whatever new philosophy or idea, make a few bucks, and then they'd head off to the next town. Well, for Paul, this wasn't the case. He was kicked out of Thessalonica because of the Jewish leaders. He couldn't be there. But here's the thing, with Timothy, he provided and he equipped Timothy to take over in his stead while he could not be there. This was something extremely, extremely important. He prepared Timothy so much because he knew that he was probably going to need Timothy to carry on the mission without him. Well, what if he didn't have Timothy in the first place? What if it was just Paul doing all the work himself, trying to equip and prepare and encourage all of these churches, and it was just him doing it. Would the church in Thessalonica have been able to stand up against the persecutions that they were experiencing each and every day? I don't know, but Timothy was there. In, Paul, in fact, Paul tells him in chapter 3, verse 4, he says, look, we were with you, and we kept telling you that you were going to be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. Going back to the comments that I mentioned earlier in the service about coming and attending church on Sundays, is it enough for you to feel equipped and to feel empowered to have the tools ready to face whatever it is you're going through each and every week, coming to church once a week, once every month, once every few months? Is that enough for you to feel connected to God, to experience God, to feel encouraged, to experience teaching? Is it enough for you? For me, it isn't enough for me just to simply come and worship on Sunday mornings once a week. I need more than that. I need Bible study. I need discipleship. I need to meet with other people in small groups. I need to celebrate recovery. I need all these things because I know on my own I cannot do it by myself. An hour to two hours once a week is just not enough for me. I have to have more. I can't make it. And Paul knew that the church, specifically in Thessalonica, they needed more. And so he gave them Timothy. I'm going to cough again. Can you mute me? Timothy was able to remain with them for some time. 
And he continued teaching the church. He continued equipping the church, exhorting the church, coming alongside them, preparing them for the persecutions that they were experiencing all the time. Teaching them how to press into God to remain resilient through all things. And after Paul left, his heart was continued to be pulled back to the church. He kept thinking about them all the time. And so we hear in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. But what was the report from Timothy? In verse 6, he says, Timothy has just now come to us from you, and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He told us that you've always had pleasant memories of us, and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. You know, as, as, as a parent, raising kids is a great joy. It is a great joy. I love my kids dearly so much. I can't imagine life without them, and it's extremely amazing the privilege to be able to raise a child in our home, and sometimes it's hard to raise kids. Any parent out there knows that there is difficult times, and especially with raising three teenagers, it can be very difficult at times to remain patient, but what I have to remind myself of and what I remind my wife of is that we're not trying to raise good teenagers, We're trying to equip and prepare adults, godly adults who will pursue God through all circumstances. And so when our kids are off and they're doing the right thing, they make a good decision. We're excited, we're elated, we're joyed because, not just because they made the right decision, but because their hearts desire to do what is right. They desire to please God more than themselves. And will they get it wrong? Yes, they do get it wrong at times, but we are overjoyed when they decide to make decisions on their own, good decisions, because their desire is to please God. So how are we equipping our kids today? How are we challenging them to experience the persecution that they experience day in, day out, the trials that they experience day in and day out? Are we preparing them, are we equipping them to be able to carry on the work of Christ in their life without us? For Paul, the church was kind of like his children, and he describes this relationship with this church in Thessalonica earlier in chapter 2, verse uh, 6 through 8. He says, we are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority Instead, we were like young children among you. Well, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There was an intimate relationship that the Apostle Paul had developed with this church. In, in some aspects of this, he saw them as a dearly beloved children that he cared for deeply. He had an intimate relationship with them. He demonstrated this through his letter, constantly remembering them and constantly desiring that they too would carry out the message of the gospel and that they would do the right thing. 
in discipling people to go out and do the work of Christ, I knew very little about discipleship when I came to this church. I knew about mentoring, I knew about Bible memorization and, and memorizing scripture, but discipleship goes much deeper, and I'm thankful to John, Pastor John, and, and showing me different ways of uh, models for discipleship. And so over the past seven years now, I have been meeting with various groups of men, uh, typically once a week, where we get to study God's word together, where we get to talk about theology, where we ask hard questions, we pray, we encourage one another, we check in with one another, and it's an amazing joy to be a part of, and it's an encouragement to me to not only see their lives begin transforming, but also their families' lives transforming, to see those and to hear about the stories they share about interactions they have in their workplace or in their community, organizations or, or clubs, to hear that their trajectory is changing. And are they going to be perfect about it? Of course not. They're going to mess up, but they're going to keep going. And I'm encouraged to hear the stories about what God is not only doing in their lives, but what is God doing in the lives of others? And where is he at work in the lives of those around them? I get to see their, their mind and their trajectory begin changing to pleasing God in serving others over themselves. You see, I don't have a place, I don't have a voice in their workplace. I don't have a voice at the refinery. I don't have a voice at Pfizer. I don't have a voice in pretty much any business in town. I don't have a voice with their friends. I don't have a voice with their family, but they do. And so my job as a pastor and as a fellow discipler is to equip them to carry on the message of Christ to wherever they go, to encourage their families, to pray for their families, to equip their kids. That's their job. I'm just a fellow disciple maker along with them. So what is it that I actually want you to walk away with this Sunday? Now that sounds like a summary, like I'm going to be done in a little bit. It's not. Okay? Number one, I want you to take away, don't be the only one. If you are the one holding all the power, if you are the one making all the decisions, if you're the only one in authority, if you are the only subject matter expert, and wherever you are, both in thinking Christian world and thinking secular world, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are setting other people up for failure. Why? Well, if you were to die tomorrow, would people be able to carry on without you? Are you leaving gaps? Are you not have you not prepared people to take over in your place to be able to carry on the message of Christ? How is your family going to continue? How is your business or organizations or clubs going to continue without you? Have you made yourself indispensable? Are you the only one that people come to for discerning for discernment or theology questions? Are you the only one? Have you made yourself indispensable? Are you making yourself indispensable? Are you the one holding all the power and authority? And if you're doing this, you're setting yourself up and others for failure. Number two, we've got to pray. Just like MC Hammer said, you know, we got to pray just to make it today. 
Anybody get that reference? There's going to be another one out there that you're not going to get. But for the 20 of you in this service, you're going to appreciate the next one. Don't worry. You'll know when it's coming. All right? But we have to pray. We have to discern the voice and the heart of God. We have to hear where God's heart is being pulled. We get to see where God is concerned with things in our lives. He's going to give us discernment. He's going to prepare us. He's going to equip us to go into the world. And being in the lives of other people, we have to pray because only through prayer are we going to be able to make it each day. In fact, we hear in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul, he says, Night and day we prayed most earnestly for you, that you may, we may see you again and supply you what might be lacking in your faith. Paul continued to pray for those he sent. He continued to pray with those who he ministered to. He prayed earnestly day and night for them. Prayer cannot just be a simple 10-second encounter with God first thing in the morning or for 10, 15 seconds before each meal. Prayer has to be continual. Prayer has to become natural. Prayer has to be something to where we go to God first and foremost in all things and not just as a last circumstance because we can't figure it out on our own. We have to discern God's heart. We have to discern his eyes, his voice in our lives and in our circumstances. Number three, which is already up there, so you already know what it is. Don't be afraid to equip and send other people out to do the same work that you are doing. This is going back to point one about being indispensable, if you've made yourself indispensable. Well, number three is don't be afraid to send and equip others to do the same thing you're doing. When you train and equip and you empower other people to do what it is that you're doing, and again, we're talking about discipleship, but you can, you can apply this to any aspect uh, within, with any part of your life or interactions in the world or whatever. Training and equipping takes time. I'm going to go off. One more. Time for round two of the uh, throat lozenges. Okay. We're okay for now. Training and equipping other people takes time. It takes a lot of time. And usually it's going to be inconvenient for you to equip and train up someone else. But if you do it and you take the time investing in someone else and empowering them and empowering them with authority, it will pay dividends later on down the road. We try to teach our kids how to cook. And some of our kids have developed cooking skills which are uh, more advanced than others. But we try to teach our kids how to cook. Now, if I simply have a kid in the kitchen with me and I show them how to crack an egg, what temperature the skillet's supposed to be on, how to grease the pan, how to crack the egg, how to flip the egg, I'm going to cough. Here we go. How to flip the egg over medium because who likes a hard egg? You know, who likes scrambled eggs? In the, yeah, it's gross. Got to have it over medium. Okay, different sermon. But if I just simply show them how to do all this stuff and I never let them actually practice, 
cracking the egg, flipping the egg, if I'm never there alongside with them, watching them fail or, or trying to get it again, I'm, uh, when they're sent off on their own, they're not going to know how to do it. If I never train and equip my kids how to evangelize, if I never train my kids on how to share the message of Christ to others, if I never teach them how to go to God in prayer, how to prepare them in connecting with God, if I'm not letting them practice the spiritual disciplines, I don't, I don't want the first time they experience hardship or difficulties or calamities or are challenged with their faith against atheists or subjected to various philosophies that are teaching which are anti-Christ. I don't want it to be the first time for them to encounter this after they leave my house. I want to prepare them now and give them opportunities to practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Four or five of you got that. All right, Brian Cooper got it in the back, and I know there's three other smiles. For everybody else, it's okay. We're talking about practice. We have to practice. And that's all I'm going to say on that, okay? But it takes time to equip and train other peoples, and sometimes it's inconvenient, but we have to take time. We have to let them try. Sometimes people make comments to me because I have uh, seven kids, and they say, you know, I don't know how you manage the house. I don't know how your wife does it at home. And I simply say, well... I don't remember the last time I've had to wash dishes. I don't remember the last time I've had to mow the lawn. I don't remember the last time I have to go and pick up dog mess in the lawn. I don't I know the last time I've had to do laundry. I don't remember the last time I've had to clean a bathroom. Sometimes I do these things, but I don't have to do most of those things. Why? Because we've trained and equipped and empowered our kids to take on responsibilities. And so sometimes, I don't know, twice a year when my wife and I decide to sleep in or we're given an opportunity to sleep in, we can just tell one of the kids the night before, hey, you're going to prepare breakfast for everybody. And we know it's going to happen because we've empowered them to do it. Pastor Craig Groeschel, um, one of our covenant pastors, uh, he's pastor of Life Church, he says there's two types of delegation. He says, if you, dele- if you delegate tasks, you're going to develop followers. But if you delegate authority, you'll develop leaders. You don't find good leaders, you develop good leaders. And so the question goes back, how are we delegating the power and authority that Christ has given to us? You see, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, he says, Jesus says, all power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. The same power and authority that was given to Christ has now been given to us. This is all of our responsibility, not just those who are on staff at this church. This is all of our responsibilities to go and do the same. And people will watch us. Our kids will watch us. Our neighbors will watch us. People in the grocery store will watch us. People in the parking lot when we're driving down Main Street. People in our coffee shop. Everyone's watching us. And so 
people will know what's important to us by how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we prioritize activities in our lives or in our kids' lives. Our kids will pick up on this and people will pick up on what is the most important thing in your life. God has uniquely called and gifted every single one of us to be his hands and his feet. And we're supposed to live into that calling to go and share the good news, to make other disciples. And so, this week, today, <clears throat> are you the only one? Have you made yourself indispensable? Number two, are you praying? And number three, are you empowering and equipping others to do the same work of Christ that he's doing in your life? And if you're not sure if you're convicted of this and any three, one of those things we need to work on and I need to work on them as well, come and get involved in a discipleship group. Become equipped yourself. Maybe you don't know how or maybe you're a little nervous about it. But just... Come and learn, and we're going to give you opportunities to do the same. Paul equipped Timothy because he had Timothy, and Timothy carried on the work of Paul in Thessalonica and around Asia Minor as well, and we can apply this to our lives as well. Again, don't be the only one. Make sure you're praying, and don't be afraid to equip and send others just as Paul did. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, providing these words to us. Uh, thank you again for technology, but thank you um, that we don't have to let technology run our lives or keep us from experiencing true fellowship in the spirit with one another. We're grateful for the message of Paul to this church and that he had Timothy, that he had spent time with Timothy to be able to carry on the work without him. So help us in every area of our lives be able to see how we can equip and send others, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our businesses, and our community organizations, whether it's in our neighborhood. God, let us look and discern where you're at work, and let us continue to carry on your work through all time. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.